Welcome to Multifamily Live. I'm Kaylee Arusi. And I'm Jason Arusi. Our mission is to help you unlock your full potential as a multifamily real estate investor. So you can do more deals, bigger deals, with less stress, keep more profit, and free up your time. Multifamily doesn't have to be a mystery. It's time to go live. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. Super excited to have this amazing guest today, Kaylee McMahon. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Super excited to have you here. So Kaylee has purchased over $68.2 million in real estate. I'm going to pause there. Has that number grown? Uh, it's actually gone down. because you gone down. Did you sell something? Yeah. So it's like that 64. Is- Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. As general partner and principal, (laughs) she sold over $3 million in residential real estate before transitioning into her full-time syndication role, originally from Portland, Oregon, host of the Invest Her Dallas. I love Invest Her. She has started a podcast called Number One Leading Ladies, where she interviews kick-ass women who are disrupting their industry and the real story of how they got where they were where they are today. She is developing technology, and I cannot wait to talk about that to help make it easy and convenient for women to learn how to make passive income through apartment investing. My amazing lady, my woman, Kaylee, welcome. having me you are so very welcome so why multifamily you were already in residential why did you take the step up um it kind of fell in my lap you know at the right time when it made sense so um residential sales is a a job you know you you sell something you gotta keep selling for the rest of your freaking life uh to make money right so um i got tired of that after like two years and then i got into flipping a house and learn from someone who flipped a bunch. And um, just in my mind, I'm a visionary. So I thought, okay, well, we're gonna get up to like 10 to 15 of these a month. We're gonna create scale. We're gonna have, you know, an itemized list of like every detail in each room. You know what I mean? So it's just a template that you keep repeating, but I kept running into very unprofessional people um, who obviously are used to getting away with treating people like crap. So uh, I just thought that was ridiculous and thought there was a better way to do it. So getting involved in the investing world in real estate, there's so many different like sub niches that you can get involved in. You can do land leases, you can do RV parks, you can do, I mean, just a billion things. And apartments is one of them uh, that is a commercial asset that creates cash flow. And I had read, I think around that time, or maybe, I don't know, this was like two, three years ago, something like that. I went to Australia by myself and was on a road trip down to down the coast and it was a 25 hour road trip. So I did a couple of audiobooks, and one of them was Rich Dad Poor Dad. And so it really got me to understand, okay, this idea that you have way in the back of your mind that you've tucked away and made unimportant that, you know, it's going to be in this 501c3 category when you're old and rich and put it into the future, then you can start giving back. But, you know, it was like, no, the space that you get to have access to when you're an owner. So uh, when you're a syndicator, owner, principal, whatever, you know, so it was a single family house at a time. So it was like a room at a time, or maybe I'd have like a granny flat on the back that I could run out to someone who needed a temporary place to live for a month while they got back on their feet. You know, those kinds of ideas made a lot more sense when I got involved in like a a multiple um, of units, because then, um, you know, we could have a large amount of income and then have one or two units that gave back in a way that I wanted to. So it just kind of clicked and made sense. And also that mentality of wanting to understand 
how I was going to get off that hamster wheel and be able to have my money work for me was building a self-running business and not being a sole proprietor that, you know, has a job. So it just made sense. It was scalable. And then I had met like the guy that I mentioned, I hung out with last night at that time. And this person was um, humble and uh, just, I mean, a little flashy, but like not in the way that he talked to people or the way that he treated people or the way, you know what I mean? So I was like, if there's good grounded people like that in this industry, I'm not saying everyone's like that, but I want to, I want to repeat what they're doing. You know, they're making good money. They're, they're being, uh, they're using their celebrity for good. Um, and they're able to, you know, all the things. So yeah, it just made sense to me. And so I was like, well, I want to learn more about this. There is so much I want to unpack there. I was, I started to, I'm like, Kaylee's saying all the good things. I need to start writing notes. Okay. So let's go back a little bit. You started in flipping and you started talking about leveraging and systems. So a lot of flippers and wholesalers, because I started the same way, come to me and ask me, so how do I use the knowledge that I already have to jump into what you're doing? I would like you to answer that question. How do you use that residential knowledge, that flipping and wholesaling knowledge to jump into large multifamily? Um, well, I've never wholesaled to be on, honest, and I don't think it really helps very much in this industry because any of the wholesalers I've ever talked to that try to get into multifamily, they're clueless. And they don't understand how underwriting works. And so until someone goes and figures out how to teach all the wholesalers, like what conservative underwriting is, stop emailing people. Um, but as far as residential knowledge, so understanding, I guess, from an appreciation standpoint, it doesn't really uh, translate to the cash flow perspective of your business or how we make money. But um, the cool thing about apartments is you do both. You get cash flow and appreciation. But if you're aware of, you know, the current market, you can see the class of the neighborhood. Uh, you're able to see um, overall comps use uh, depending on like a cap rate. Uh, and most of this comes from like Yardi or uh, some other softwares that we use that are specifically for commercial uh, real estate. But um, you're able to kind of use the same type of uh, data essentially to figure out, okay, you know, we're projecting five years because of the cash flow or we're going to cash flow day one. And then we're going to start distributing year one or year two beginning, you know, knowing like what, what exit point is realistic. And it also helps to better be more grounded um, when it comes to, you know, seeing that crystal ball of what that exit cap rate is uh, when you're able to really understand like the historical uh, numbers on the community and then be able to, to drill down to a, a zip code, drill down to a subdivision, be able to really understand where you're buying I think that really helps it to be very accurate on your exit projections. So, I mean, I would say that's how I think it's applicable. Mm -hmm. um, and then as far as, you know, being a retail agent and then going into, you know, basically selling securities, um, I think that a lot of the, um, well, there's a lot of stuff that translates. I mean, because uh, in residential, you're, um, you're selling um, a home and in commercial, I'm selling a, a share of the company and it's not really an emotional transaction anymore, but that wasn't the part of residential I was good at anyway. I really didn't like the, oh, like you can have your, your babies here and you could, you know, I'm like, it's just, to me, it's just a freaking house. It's like four walls and a roof and you move and you have your stuff stored in a back closet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, to me, it, it's not, it's a house, you know? So what uh, you're saying is that you are perfect for multifamily because it's all numbers. Yeah, or just, you know, being able to take away the emotional part of it. If, if something doesn't make sense or something isn't adding up. It's not that I'm going to continue to be pulled into that deal because it looks pretty or, you know, there's been many deals like that where I'm like, man, this would be the perfect, you know, location and the perfect um, asset type. However, 
we can't buy it at the right entry price. And so nothing makes sense. Nothing matters anymore. Walk, walk away. You know, if, if I was more emotionally uh, attached to a piece of property, like people are in residential, um, I wouldn't be able to like look at 50 deals a week or whatever it is that you're say 25 deals a week and go, no, 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 no. Um, so yeah, some things translated and some things didn't um, to go into multifamily. That's a great answer. I'm going to follow up that, uh, that question with people who want to get into it. You mentioned that you got a mentor. So how did you find that mentor and how are you taking that mentorship mindset to the next level? How are you giving back? Uh, so I wouldn't really call them a mentor just because they're men. Um, and when you're a woman in multifamily real estate, there really are not a lot of leading ladies, if you will. So uh, there's probably like five or six, you know, lead um, syndicators slash principals, I guess, that, you know, we are aware of that do these deals. Now, however, there are multiple, you know, billionaires and other groups of women that, you know, don't need to even have an email. You know, I mean, they probably have an email, but you know what I'm saying? Like no one knows who they are. So those people also exist. But as far as trying to find someone who's kind of a leader and who's kind of maybe on Forbes or whatever, you know, there really aren't many of us. And so um, I reached out to a couple of ladies who I kind of put in that, uh, not on a pedestal, but put in that box of this could be a good, uh, good teacher, but it was either they were too afraid of me because I'm very gregarious. And so I'm very, um, hey, this is me. This is what I want. This is what I'm good at. This is what I want to do. And I, I want to move forward. And unless you really know me and you understand, you know, that I stand for justice and you understand that, you know, me being that uh, outgoing and forward is not a sales pitch. It's just who I am. And I've actually had to learn how to pull that back a little bit because it makes people wary uh, or actually what it does. I didn't know this. It makes people make decisions where they feel like they're either under pressure or like they call it being salesy or whatever. And I'm like, no, that's just me being excited, but I can be just super unexcited. And if it still looks good to you, let me know, you know, but um, anyway, what was the question one more time? It doesn't matter because we're going to go with what you're talking about because this podcast is about you. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about, I mean, I'm sure men have to deal with it too, but probably not as much as we do. Not as much as we do. We have to pull back those things that might be our superpower. So let's talk about, since we're talking about mentorship, I'm going to reach behind me so everybody that's watching the video can see me reach behind me. I'm pulling up a book. You see, I have the art of war there too. I'm pulling up a book called Oh, let's make sure it's not that everybody can read it. Women in Multifamily Real Estate, How Queens Do Apartment Investing Differently by Kaylee McMahon. So let's talk about this book. You don't hold back in the book. You do not hold back in the book, right? I, I kind of do. <laughs> yeah. yeah let's is- not hold back. What? So I want you, if you haven't already, pick up this book. It's on Amazon. Pick, up, pick it up. It's like, I think, $14. It is an amazing read. I want you to dig into it. And I don't get to promote enough books that are written by women, but you don't only write about your knowledge in this book. You have, in, you have interviewed so many other women that you have invited to be a part of this book. I am in here included. So thank you for that. Um, pick this book up, Women in Multifamily Real Estate. You know, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, you want multifamily, this is the book to get. Okay, so let's talk about this book. Why did you write this book and why the title? Especially if you're a woman, because I was talking to someone about this earlier. And it's just that the fact is like with the mentor thing, it does relate. You're, you're right. Because um, when you're looking at a mentor, for example, a man, um, that's how I got started. I would have never gotten started if it wasn't for Will, if it wasn't for Alex, if it wasn't for 
um, Brandon, if it wasn't for a couple of uh, dudes, you know, and um, this because that's who's available, you know what I mean? And not every person wants to mentor. And so if there's only five, you know, baller females that are in this industry, and they're, you know, busy, because they're doing deals or whatever, they might not have time to, or they haven't structured a program where they could say, okay, we'll talk every Monday for 30 minutes, you know what I mean? Like, they just haven't done that yet. So when you're looking at like a male and a female perspective, it's so different. And I think that the men that financially vouched for me, that signed on loans for me, that uh, introduced me to all of their um, their team that really helped me get into the industry, those are people that I call sponsors. And then I think a mentor is, is a woman. And I just, I haven't found one uh, who is willing to work with me. And I'm not trying to be out there, you know, going, hey, I need a mentor. I'm not Googling for mentors. I'm not searching to pay someone. I'm not desperate to find a mentor. A mentor is like somebody that you meet that has way more experience than you doing something you want to do at their, their level. So they're active or they were active very recently. Um, and there's somebody that sees a little bit of themselves in you. And so they go, oh, wow, I could really see me being able to see this person be uber successful because they're just like me. And so there's usually a sort of a bond and there's usually a sort of a uh, give and take relationship. And so whether it's, you know, they have the same mission as I do, uh, whether it is, you know, with um, what my, my main sponsor, I would say our thing that I didn't realize that we truly had in common until like w waters got really rough. We both stand for justice at the end of the day. So that was something that strengthened our bond even more. Um, and I, you know, I have him and his wife's picture on my vision board, and I'm trying to figure out ways to give back to them more um, just because of, you know, what he did for me. But I think that, you know, through a female lens is, is very necessary when it comes to getting into this, this journey, because for me, um, I just, I, I got what I got and it was, it was enough and it was enough to get the information. It was enough, but there were a lot of missing pieces. So for example, in this book, um, Brooke Jackson, for example, she is a lender. She is also a broker and she's got a bunch of kids. And so when I was interviewing her, she's down in her basement um, talking through and there's kids running around the background and we talk through like, how do you balance, you know, having to do loans and having to uh, broker properties and, and, and you've got like little girls running around the house and how do you negotiate with your spouse time or do you live with your parents or how, like, how do you make it work? Because uh, there are people out there doing it for sure. But these are things that men are never going to think of because women, um, I would say from my experience, not always, but uh, for the most part, because they have their children, they feel responsible for them. And so they want to make sure that they are taken care of. And so women, a lot of the time, shoulder that responsibility, whether, you know, it should be equally shared or whatever, we're just nurturing people. So um, I, I was comfortable asking her, you know, how do you balance all this stuff? So it just is really like a, through a different lens, uh, the multifamily industry, and then there's different people in there that do different things. So whether it's legal, whether it's, um, whether it's lending, whether it's, you know, people that are raising money, whether it's, you know, it's all the different perspectives, but through a female lens. And I just think that's really important because that's, that's really not out there. No, that is super important during, especially during the time of COVID, I started asking the same questions to moms who were in multifamily and there's actually a good amount of us, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. As soon as I started putting that energy out there, I, I started just seeing us everywhere. But the thing is, like you said, if you don't put that energy out, if you don't put that female perspective out, a lot of times the female perspective will not show up because you're not looking for it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I would ask my moms the same thing. Like, how do you do it? That was my one question was, how do you do it? So 
I'm going to ask you just as a woman, how do you do it? How do you step into it? How are you, how do you think you're going to find? Because I've had that conversation with a lot of women in this industry. We're looking for that woman who knows that much more than us, who, have, who has been in this industry. So ladies, ma'am, if you are listening to this and you think you are the one for both Kaylee and I, please reach out to either of us because we're looking for you, I'm putting that energy out for you. So how do we step forward and become, I don't know, I don't necessarily think the, the word is louder, but more known. Mm -hmm. You know, part of it is um, pretty simple. It's kind of stuff we're already doing, you know, so really at the end of the day, all we have is each other. You know, that's how we're going to move forward, I think, is being able to link link arms, being able to, you know, promote each other. So that's why I focus on things like this, or like if you'll notice every Monday on my LinkedIn and all my social media and stuff, we do a marketing Monday. And the marketing Monday is usually promoting a podcast. And my podcast only interviews women. It was It's promoting some kind of, uh, like we've got our Women Who Invest Wednesday that's once a, once a month or like that's coming up. But it's usually focused around other women and their expertise and their knowledge. And so really, uh, that was something that I learned from a couple of Asian friends. They're like, you want to know what really works in business, Kaylee? Uh, promoting other people and uh, then also figuring out how to positively affect someone else's life. Like, how do I give to them first? And there was a book called The Go-Giver that talks exactly about that, where, you know, you can't, um, you can't receive if you don't give and you can't give if you can't receive, you know? So it's just like a beating heart. It's got to, you know, exhale or your lungs have to inhale and exhale to be, uh, to be alive and be healthy. So really that was something that was brought up to me not too long ago. And so this is now going even deeper than just multifamily. And so I'm realizing that uh, a lot of the really big heartaches that I've been through recently, I think um, I'm, I'm kind of grateful for them to tell you the truth, because I mean, I didn't lose my legs. I can still go on a hike. You know, I didn't lose all of my assets. I didn't, you know, I didn't lose everything. I lost quite a bit, but um, it was really to go through like kind of the worst situation that you can get through investing with other people um, and dealing with COVID and dealing with, you know, whatever, just, I had to go through that and then being taken advantage of by an attorney as well that got in, in there too. And um, so every which way I'm being taken advantage of because I was too open, too nice, too kind. And there are, there are um, vultures out there that are looking for, for things like that. And it's unfair that you would have to change your personality. You'd have to be uh, a recluse. You'd have to change the way that you enjoy life, you know, just because of these nasty people that are out there. And it was actually all of this stuff that I went through that pushed me into getting access to certain resources that give me security, if you will. So instead of having to go the legal route now, I'm able to get certain resources to where if there are people that are threatening me, stealing from me, taking from me, extorting me. I mean, I've been through all of it uh, in the last not too long that that behavior is not acceptable and I don't ever have to be afraid because when people behave like that, what's, what's funny is they've gotten away with it before. That's why they're doing it. And it's criminal behavior. And it's something that if I was uh, unable to take the quick route really quickly right here, where about a month ago I go, you know, my mind is so soft. I need to harden up a little bit. And so how am I going to do that? Because this stuff's going to never end. Like people are always going to try to take it from you. They're always going to try to, you know, put that target on your back. They're, they're, al they're always mad because they can't do it in a honest way, you know? So it just is what it is, but how do I mentally deal with it, make it kind of the norm and then have resources to combat that so that it doesn't, you know, affect my life. I can move on. And so I kind of have those resources, not kind of, I have those resources now 
to where, I mean, if anyone tries to basically cause any injustice in my life, like I can squash it and I don't go the traditional legal route. And so point is, is with a friend that I go on long walks with um, often, um, I've decided to partner with them and their, their uh, access to uh, what they, what they have, I guess I can't usually, I can't use details, but um, to basically be the face of a security company, an IT security company, um, because it's amazing, like how often, you know, there's a, there's an entire legal firm in Dallas that takes up two floors of a building where all they focus on is angry ex-boyfriends or people trying to extort women because we are in a romantic relationship with a man and he uses information, photos, whatever it is against us, which is completely, it's extortion, it's illegal, you know, but it happens every day, all the time. Uh, it happens to people who have a lot of wealth. And so what that would do, I was going to say, if I didn't go figure out, like my journey right now is trying to make my mind hard. So reading um, Can't Hurt Me, and that is my new thing. Like literally, you can't hurt me no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter how much you threaten, you can't hurt me. Um, if I didn't go down that journey, I would have quit. And I almost got to that point where I'm going, maybe the signs of you know, attack from here and attack from there and attack from there are, are to teach me to stop being in this industry or to walk away or you know, to, to back off basically and, and be pushed in a corner. And then I realized, no, no, because I have a mission. I enjoy what I do. Um, I love uh, where I'm going and, and I'm not going to allow anything to stop that. So uh, I think a lot of women probably get into a, a point, a point in their career where they're squeezed in a corner um, by how things corrupt or how things normally operate, which just isn't, isn't cool. So any point, it, point is, is I want to bring that as an asset for women that are in my uh, ecosystem to say, look, you don't have to be afraid. If, if there's someone coming after you, if there's someone telling you, you can't do certain things. I mean, constantly I see newbies in residential being told that they can't write certain contracts. They can't do certain things. BS like uh, being, so they're just lying to people who are inexperienced. And point is, is just having a way to like fact check and have resources to where people won't mess with you. Like then you can just pursue your career the way that you want to. And, and that's what I want. And, uh, Anyway, point is, is um, I, I, yeah, that that's that's where I want to go now, and that's kind of this. Um, not that I want to be a, a mentor per se, but I want to be a resource, you know, for women. So I guess if that's mentorship, cool. I call that mentorship. I think, and I've had this conversation many times that you know people, especially women, are afraid to take on that that teacher role, even though we're, we're mostly the teachers, like, no, we're known as teachers, but we don't take that mentorship role. We don't accept that. I don't know if we don't want to accept the responsibility or we don't want to accept the, I don't know what it is, but we need to be able to teach each other. We have so much to learn and so much to teach from each other, woman to woman, lady to lady, female to female, whatever you want to call it. We have things to teach each other. And I love the fact, I love the fact that you are that you are not afraid. I'm sure you have fears, but you're learning to how to harden your mind against whatever it is you went through. I don't wanna push that button if you don't want it to be pushed, but I do wanna ask you the question, how did you become unafraid? Because that is something that affects so many women that either we are, like you said, pushed into a corner and we don't think that we can get out of that corner, whatever, what, whether it's the type of real estate we do or whether we went through something that we can't get over because our minds aren't hardened uh, against it. How did you become unafraid? I guess that's exactly it. It's, it's kind of conditioning your mind, you know, to kind of deal with the abuse, to tell you the truth. And um, there's so many different ways, but really I think the first time 
Ask that question one more time. I had a good example. How did you become unafraid? How did you take yourself out of that corner? How did you harden your mind? How did you continue to move on from whatever it is that you had to go through? So to become unafraid, uh, the first thing I had to do, because I mean, it causes you so much stress and duress, you know, gaining weight that happened to me, not sleeping. I mean, on and on and on. It affects your personal life, you know, people that you live with, everything. And so the first first thing I did was uh, to really think about, um, well, okay, let's talk about hardening, hardening my mind first. Um, so hardening my mind really came from kind of like, you know, when you, when you strengthen a muscle, you repeat and repeat the same exercise or you repeat, um, you, you make it stronger. Right. And so being, um, being in acknowledgement that those things happen and being okay with it, I guess being in acceptance is like the first part of it because, you know, being, being in denial doesn't, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't help. Let's just say that. So there's so many books recently that all I read at the same time. It was kind of funny. They all had the same message. And it was basically like the first way to be happy in life is to just be in acceptance. Okay, I got cancer. What am I going to do about it? You know, so I actually got a tattoo on my wrist that says can't change it. You know, so that was something that like whenever something upsets me or something is threatening or something, you know, whatever, I go think to myself, you know, can I change this? No. Okay, well, find something else to focus my energy on. So that's kind of partially where this book came from, where my uh, app came from, et cetera, was going with COVID and with all these other things I was dealing with. Okay, what can I control? Let's focus on that. So at the time it was creating versus trying to deal with a situation that, I mean, I, it was just coming at me. It wasn't something I could, I can't control other people's behavior, you know? So I did what I could to protect myself, you know, legally, and then basically tried to move on with doing more deals and um, creating and uh, figuring out like who my small circle should be. And instead of searching for more kind of uh, keep keeping it small, you know, so that was uh, how I was working on hardening my mind. But then in addition to that, physical fitness is another way that I've been able to uh, focus on a, a way to harden my mind. And I'm not the best at it. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's, it's, it came from David Goggins book. Can't hurt me. And repeating that to myself every day that I won't allow someone to hurt me, uh, but but hardening my mind with physical fitness helps. So, for example, like, you know, if you normally would work out once a day, I've been trying to do it twice a day. If, if normally I would go for a class for 45 minutes and I took a break and stopped two minutes early, then I'd go for another half hour. If I, you know, I'm in a class, for example, and they're going, are you tired? I'm like, no, you know, like. And, he, and it's all in your freaking head, you know? And so trying to, one thing he does for a trick, and this has to do with physical exercise, but that's, that's, that's kind of in a moment where your heart rate is high uh, and you have to control your heart rate to be able to control um, how quickly your mind is moving, I suppose, or it's vice versa, your mind controls it. But um, when you're able to be in kind of a panic stage where your heart rate is high and being able to control yourself and make the decision, like I'm going to run longer, or I'm going to breathe slower, or I'm going to whatever it is that you're doing, or I'm going to not stop and I'm going to make it up the entire next hill uh, without a break or wh whatever. So I've just been challenging myself. And in those moments where things uh, seem really scary, uh, I mean, honestly, what he does, and I kind of have started to do more of it, it's going to take time. I mean, it's going to take uh, probably a month of consistently doing it. Uh, I think of Christmas or I think of Thanksgiving or I think of like Easter. Oh, there's a little chocolate bunny at the top of the hill. Or, you know, I'm not going to stop until I get where the bunny is, you know, or just thinking of something positive and happy, you know, while that scary stuff is happening, um, something else to focus on. And then you can control, you know, then that's just in working out physically. But the physical 
stuff has made me a little bit more tough when it comes to uh, dealing with uh, just mental crap. And then also because I'm expending energy, it helps to kind of keep me calm and collected because it's like, you know, well, I only have so much energy left for the day. So I got to delegate it right, you know. Um, and then the very first part of your question, would you ask it one more time? Because I had one example and then I forgot again. It was, how are you not afraid? How did you back yourself out of that corner? Um, basically, how did you take responsibility for your life? I love the fact that you have that tattoo that says, I can't change it. Because that, I'm going to like, I'm going to start writing that on my wrist every single morning. Because there's, Am I myself? can I change it? Nope, move on, you know? There you go. Like, I, I find myself dwelling, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners do too, on certain things. Like, there's just certain things I'll just like dwell on. And I need to write that on my wrist. I'm going to take, I'm going to be like, I'm going to put the little line that says Kaylee McMahon. And, <laughs> it's and very much like, you know, stoicism. That's all. It's just like, you can't control other people's uh, opinions of you, their perceptions, their actions, their words. So, I mean, if that's what's stressing you out, that's all in your head. I mean, like I said, you didn't lose a leg, you know, so, uh, and, and it does suck. It does. But when you're in that, you got to find a way to deal with it and find a way to, um, you know, you're not gonna be able to completely move on, but like I said, just kind of deal with it. So, uh, Yeah. And then unafraid, how, God, I had a good answer. And I keep forgetting. How was I unafraid? Um, you know, let's talk remember, about. I don't remember exactly what it was. So awesome. the first time that I was afraid, um, it was when I got backed into a corner and literally everything's against me. Uh, my attorney can't give me an answer. The other attorney can't give me an answer. Uh, people that I normally go to for answers that have been in the business for a long time, they don't have answers obviously I don't have any answers. Um, then I was about, I was like panicked for like a week, you know? And then I went back to the thing that like women suck at this stuff and I suck at this stuff. Ask for freaking help. Like that's exactly the moment where I grew and I felt better and I felt confident and I felt unafraid. I could sleep again. Cause what I did was I said, okay, kind of like the mentor thing. Um, again, I did reach out to that core group of people, but sometimes when they don't know, you got to go further, you know what I mean? You got to keep reaching out. And, um, that, that's something that normally I'm really good at, but I was just so scared and panicked. I couldn't think, you know, so literally going, okay, so I'm in multifamily and I'm in multifamily in Dallas and I'm dealing with the problem that originated from this attorney. Okay. Who has probably done a deal with that attorney who's in Dallas, who's in multifamily, you know? And so then I started asking around and so it's a somewhat small of a community. And so a couple of people were able to go this guy, this girl, this guy. So then I would set up like a lunch meeting or a coffee meeting with them and just tell them like what I'm going through and on a very not it's something else women we overshare. So I had to go in there kind of with a couple bullet points of like, here's how it started. Here's what's going on. Here's where we're stuck and where we're at. And then how do I fix it? Or where, what have you been through similar that we can talk about and let them talk, you know, but really it was reaching out and asking for help and asking them how they got out of the, the same situation. And one, you, you're not alone anymore. You don't feel like you're on an island. And number two, it actually it ends up building some rapport with these people that maybe you weren't that close with before. So future things are going to happen. And so you're gonna be able to reach out, with that, out to them. And since then, a few of them, we've decided that we possibly wanna do deals together because I came to them, I was very transparent, very honest. And I just kind of put my walls down and I said, help, you know? So a lot of good things come from asking for help. And that's why my favorite book is, uh, or one of them is um, Women Don't Ask, and then Ask For It by uh, Barbara, Barbara Babcock and, or um, Sarah Lashever and Barbara Babcock. Yeah. So 
because, you know, it's like, why do we not ask? You understand the psychology behind it, all the generational crap we've been subconsciously fed and then how to ask for it. That is a book I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely going to subscribe to and read because I haven't read it yet. So I'm going to read it as soon as we get off, probably tomorrow, I'll buy it. Science. Um, That's the good part, Peely, is it's all science. So, so uh, uh, Linda Babcock, she is a professor at Carnegie Mellon. So it's years and years of research that she's done that gave you the data to understand like the types of gendered toys that we play with, the types of just the whole thing. So it's all numbers and data. It's not just like, here's what we think. So, Because it's so true. I mean, how many times has something come up and you're just like, I'm just going to do it myself. I'm just going to do it myself. If I want to, I'm just going to do it myself. All day. And that's why men are good at asking for help because they're lazy as shit. <laughs> we're like, I don't want to figure this out. I'm going to ask Joe Bob, you know? And we're like, no, no, no. We know it all. We know it all. We got the solution. Leverage, 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 people, leverage. So you are awesome. I want to talk about, before I let you go, I want you to <laughs> plug your app. You just came up with an app. You just came out with an app. Uh, let us know about it and let us know where we can get it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just on the iTunes store, uh, sorry, Apple app store. Cause we're, awesome. also, we're on the iTunes store too, you know, but anyway, so on the, so pod, um, on the Apple app store, uh, she best, that's it. Uh, it's one word. Uh, best is B E S T uh, V is in very, and, uh, it's in beta phase. So go in there and poke around the first thousand users. It's free. So it's just, uh, some education that I put together on all the different commercial, uh, assets out there that cash flow, pros and cons of each. Uh, and it's women that are being interviewed, talking about their experience, doing it for at least two plus years. Um, so you're able to kind of see from that lens again, uh, that it's usually not talked about, you know, from that lens, but again, just a good perspective. Um, and then also, um, I have a fund as well. Um, and the fund is focused on women and, uh, we're working right now on making it a crowdfunding or the first offering will be a crowdfunding offering. Uh, so we'll be able to have a much lower minimum than we're used to, to get more women to invest in that fund. Um, and then, uh, you can find all this stuff on my website, theapartmentqueen.com. Um, and if you're wondering, wondering how to get on the list for that, there's buttons everywhere. I mean, it says, you know, get qualified for the next investment and fund wait list, you know, all over the place. So I'm going to repeat that again. You can find all this on theapartmentqueen.com. You can find the app, you can find the book, you can find Kaylee, and you can get in touch with her if you need more information on anything she does, anything she's offering, and any information that she might have. Kaylee, thank you so very much for being on my show today. Um, you've dropped so much value. And if you could tell one more thing to my audience, one action step, what would it be? I mean, honestly, get support, um, whatever that means. You know, if there's something that you're like, that's stopping you from getting involved in, whether it's multifamily, single, whatever it is, whatever you want to do, whether it's tech, whatever, you know, find some people who are already doing it and reach out to them and ask for help. I mean, really come at it from an, uh, an angle of, uh, can you just share with me your expertise? Don't, don't ever ask to pick someone's brain. It's not going to work. Don't do that. Um, or, and, or really, what can I give you? So uh, I come to other people and say, I'd like to promote you on my podcast. I'd like to put you in my book. I'd like to do something for you. And then that bond will just happen. But, but yeah, you got to reach out and you got to pick people that are uh, actually doing what you want to do in the future. That is amazing, Kaylee. Thank you so much. And to my listeners, I am so grateful to you for listening today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe. You are awesome. So much aloha to you. So much love and so much peace. And Kaylee, again, thank you. 
Want to learn exactly how we're finding high profit, cash flow ready multifamily properties off market? Want to find out how to run lightning fast syndications to raise all the capital you need for your next multi-million dollar deal in just a few days? We're breaking down our entire process step-by-step at a three-day event happening June 10th through the 12th called you guessed it, multifamily live. We've done events before, but nothing this massive or this valuable. And for the first time ever, we're going to open the doors and walk you guys through literally every step of what we're doing on our multifamily deals. This is a virtual event, so you don't have to travel or even leave your couch, but spots are limited. Sign up at multifamilyliveevent.com and we'll see you there.